This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. Yes, it's that show that whenever someone says, Oh, have you heard about Double Tap? They'll say, Oh, yeah, that tech show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I'm Stephen Scott. Hello. Uh, with me, as always, I have Sean Priest. Hello. Hello, Stephen. Where's the news? There's no news. I'm pulling my hair out looking for news. Don't pull, Sean. There's not much left. Hey. Um, also, Tim. Uh, Tim Schwartz, the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend that is Tim Schwartz, is here. Hello. Well, hello, Stephen. Hi, Sean. Thank you for such an introduction. I, I, I don't know how to even follow that up. But, Sean, don't tell people there's no news, then they won't listen the rest of the show. There, there's plenty of things to talk about. Really, truly, there are. <laughs> no, Please. I don't think that'll put people off. I think I, I think we can do that <laughs> just by saying hello. Uh, I think we, we're okay with that. Um, yes, we are here for another hour of tech chat, discussion, and more, uh, because, of course, that's what we're all about here. That's what it says uh, on the AMI website. So I guess we have to do that. Don't we? No, that's, that's what works. we live and breathe. We are tech uh, something. Nerds, that's the word. Geeks. Except for those times that we go off on tangents and talk about things totally unrelated. And... Well, let's get straight into it then. Oh, what, you mean break the <laughs> habit of a lifetime? Well, yeah, actually, let's just do that. Because do you know what? There is a topic this week that we're kind of going to focus on. Um, two things, actually, we're going to be focusing on later. We're going to be talking about magnification and braille. Uh, as part of the introductory series that Sean is doing. You know, I have to say, guys, when I think of simple, I think of Sean. And thankfully, uh, in this new series uh, that Sean is doing for us, he may not be as of next week because he may resign in protest, uh, but uh, hopefully you will be doing another of these. Uh, but this week you're going to be focusing on magnification and braille. What is that all about, Sean? Please do tell. Well, look, this is my ongoing... Uh, series, uh, yeah, I'm going to say series. I'm committing uh, to the introduction of a committing or committed. You're not on Netflix, Sean. <laughs> okay, sorry. I wish I was assistive <laughs> tech. So last, uh, no, not last episode. The week before, I did screen readers, and this week I'm going to give a introduction to magnification software and braille displays. And then a little later on, I will be diving into each one of those narrator, NVDA, jewels, and everything around that into more detail. Hang on, hang on, Tim. Am I missing something here? Is he doing some work? He is doing some work. Well, you know, he can't research news articles for the show, so at least he can talk about Mm. simple introductory things. Oh, Oh, I see how it is. Okay, we'll see what (laughs) Tim comes up with in the news section a little later on. So as I was saying, Sean is excellent at researching the news. Yeah, you two fight it out. Um, I'm just doing my usual, turning up and looking gorgeous. Um, Okay. Fake news. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so... I think we'll start off with talking about um, scanning apps. Not just scanning apps, but uh, artificial intelligence apps that are coming out now. You're seeing more and more of these apps, like Seeing AI, for example, is the one that Microsoft brought out. It's only available on iPhones at the moment uh, and on iPads now, actually, as well. But it's not the only one in town. Uh, There are many, many more of these apps out there. And uh, Tim has been looking at one this week, haven't you? Yes, Stephen, I've been looking at a new app for iPhone and Android called Envision. 
That's right. This week, I will be walking you through an app called Envision AI. This app is available for iPhone and now just newly out of beta available on Android. The app has a monthly fee of $4.99 U.S., Also, you can choose to sign up for one year at $39.99 U.S., or you can sign up for a lifetime membership at $199.99 U.S. However, Envision AI does have a 14-day free trial, so you can try it out first before you choose to buy. Envision AI allows you to scan text documents, either short bits of text or full text documents. You can also scan for objects, facial recognition, handwriting, scan for colors, and so many other things. So let's go ahead and open up Envision AI and walk through and see what it can do. Envision. Double tap to open. Start reading instantly button. And swipe to the right. Red handwritten text button. Red document button. Double tap and hold to read multiple pages. Selected text tab one of four. General tab two of four. Find tab three of four. Help, tab, 404. That's everything on the main screen. Now let's go back and take a look at the general tab. Find, general, tab, 204. Describe scene, button. Detect colors, button. Scan barcode, button. Text, tab, 104. Selected, general, tab, 204. Find, tab, 304. Find persons, button. Find objects, button. Teach Envision, button. Text, tab, 1 of 4. General, tab, t- selected, find, t- help, tab, 4 of 4. Help, heading. Help. Red tutorials, button. Give feedback, button. Request a call, button. Settings. Offline text recognition, faster recognition option for languages based on Latin scripts. Switch button, off. Double tap to toggle setting. Automatic language detection, when turned off, Envision will read all text in the phone's system language only. Switch button, off. Double tap to toggle setting. Speech, button. Color detection, button. Account, heading. Check subscriptions, free trial, button. Spread the word, heading. Share with friends, button. Write a review on AppSore, button. About Envision, button. Selected, help, tab, 404. Find general text tab one of four. Selected text tab one of four. As you heard, now we are back in the text scanning area, and I uh, took a look through Stephen's cupboard and found one of his absolute most favorite snacks. Let's see if we can get the text off of the front of the package. Magnifier button. Start reading instantly button. Stop reading instantly. Step once. Number one, America's hostess Danette, powdered. Mercy Donut, hostess Untas Powderin W Domu. IDONT America's hostess Annette's Powderin. WICHS number one, donut hostess Dunet's powdered. American donut hostess one taste powdered. Hostess Dunet eat powdered some. As you heard, it got the most important word in there, which was powdered donuts, but a lot of the rest of it was a bit jumbled. Let's take a look and see what else is on this screen before we go back and scan the barcode of this product to see if we can get more information. Red handwritten text button. Red document, button, selected, text, general, tab, two of four. Describe scene, button, detect colors, button, scan barcode, button, scan barcode. We are now in product scanning mode. I'm going to take the camera of my iPhone and line it up where the UPC code should be on this bag of donuts. 
I'm going to slowly pull it away so that it then gets in the frame of the camera. And we should hear a series of beeps telling us that we're getting close to the UPC code right before it actually scans it. So I've got it lined up and I'm slowly pulling the camera away from where the UPC code should be. And I'm moving the phone around just a bit, trying to see if I can find it. Not getting any beeping yet. I know this is where it is. Hmm. Any time now I should find it. Okay, well, sorry, Envision, but I give up. Envision. Double tap to open. Home. Messages. Seeing AI. Menu. Button. Quick pause. Channel. Short text. Adjustable. Document. Product. Processing. Hostess. Do nuts. Powdered mini donuts. Menu. Button. Sorry, I couldn't resist. But in all fairness to Envision AI, I have been able to get at the scan barcodes, but it does seem to be more difficult than using other apps like Microsoft Seeing AI. Let's go ahead and switch back to Envision AI and see how it does scanning colors. App Switcher. Seeing AI. Envision. Active. Envision. Describe scene. Button. Detect colors. Button. Detect colors. Brownish gray. White. Battleship gray. Pinkish gray. Silver. Light gray. Silver. Pinkish gray. Silver. For those of you playing the Double Tap home game, that was me pointing the camera at my blue t-shirt. Now let's see if we can really confuse it. As of this recording, I have a full-on beard growing. Let's see what it says the color of my face is. Silver, buff, wheat, sand, beige, beige, pinkish gray, light gray. Okay, I really resent the fact that it thinks that something on my face is silver. Okay, so let's try one more and point it at my desk. Light gray, white, 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 silver, silver, pinkish gray, silver, pinkish gray, silver. And Vision AI does scan for colors in two different modes. Standard looks for 30 different colors, whereas the advanced mode looks for up to 950 colors. And Vision AI can also perform object recognition in real time. Let's scan around the room I'm in and see what we can find. Describe scene. Button. Describe scene. Dimmed. Looks like a screenshot of a computer. Looks like a screenshot of a computer. Describe scene. Button. Describe scene. Dimmed. Looks like a desktop computer sitting on top of a desk. Save with description. Button. Describe scene. Dimmed. Probably a person sitting in a room. Um, actually, that last one was a group of my daughter's stuffed animals sitting on a table. But hey, <laughs> stuffed animals are people too. Overall, I think that Envision AI is quite promising. It still is early days for this app and this app developer, but I think over time this could be a fantastic app. Now, when compared to other apps that do similar things like Microsoft Seeing AI or KNFB Reader, it may fall just a bit short, but again, it is early days. The only thing that I'd be slightly concerned about is that it does have a cost. I am very willing to pay for any app, especially an app like this that makes things accessible. However, when you compare it to other apps that are free or much less of a expense, it just doesn't measure up at this time. Over time, hopefully, Envision AI will become a true competitor in this genre of app. You can get more information about Envision AI by visiting their website, letsenvision.com. 
Okay, well, thank you for that, Tim. An interesting review there. Uh, you were getting a bit frustrated during that, uh, so maybe the app not playing quite the way you hoped it would? Yeah, Stephen, not quite playing the way that I was hoping that it would. I, I know that it's been out on iPhone for a little while. It is coming out of beta on the Android. So it's not like it's been out a very long time. Maybe there's some bugs that they still need to work out. And like I said in, in the review, the object recognition, the facial recognition, even the handwriting recognition is intriguing. It is really good. But as you could hear in the piece, trying to find the barcode was just so frustrating. Now, I did find it when I wasn't recording uh, the review, I did finally find the barcode with it, but it shouldn't be that difficult. As I did in the review, I went right to seeing AI and found it immediately. And some of the text recognition, it just was a little jumbled. So I think it's a good start. I like that they're working on this, but for what it offers at the moment, I, I don't know that I can completely recommend it yet. Plus the fact that you have to, to remember that uh, it is $4.99 a month subscription. You can get it for $39.99 per year. Or if you want a lifetime subscription to it, it's $199.99. Why? And compared to something like Microsoft Seeing AI, which is free, or uh, you know, we, we're, we'll talk about you know Voice Dream Scanner that's, I believe, only $10 and, and other apps that are out there. Hmm. For the price, I just I just don't know. I am intrigued by when you said that you'd gone to seeing AI and you got the barcode fairly instantly. And I'm assuming that you didn't move the product very much to do that. So I kind of wonder how that how that would happen. You would imagine that both apps they're seeing out the same camera, so they'd be able to pick it up. So it is it is the technology inside the app that's making it see it rather than you know the, the phone's capability itself, is it? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's down to the technology and the way the app is picking up the barcode. Because when you're seeing AI, it's almost like it picks up a piece of the barcode because it does that beeping and then quickly beeps uh, more so. So it lets you know when you're you're getting closer to lining up to the barcode. And Vision does a very similar thing. However, it almost seems like it really doesn't want to do anything and alert you about anything until you've gotten the right distance away and you've gotten it right in the camera, you know, just so perfectly. And I don't know. I haven't figured that out. Maybe it's me, but yep. I've tried so many different pro No, <laughs> I've tried so many different products and I've pulled it slowly away from the barcode. I, I've, you know, tr turned it in all different kinds of ways. And it just seems like it takes forever or sometimes never actually scans the barcode. Whereas I can go to seeing AI and it gets it right away. So I, I think it's just down to the technology and the way it's trying to find it. Favoritism. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm only joking. But um, it, it is strange. When it comes to barcodes, though, I mean, I did hear the same um, criticisms of seeing AI when that was released and everyone was trying it out. I did hear that some people were having real problems with the barcodes. I just, I'm not sure how many people actually scan the barcode still. It, it does seem like... Um, Tim, you're you're interested in that, but I just totally gave up with barcodes. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that, but I and I, I, you know, obviously the barcode thing could be really useful because it does give you a lot of information about the product. Yeah. There are other ways to get that information, of course, but it does give you a lot of information. I think, though, you know, that we're probably more interested in the other features, not so much how they compare, but more that you know it, it shows what the capabilities are of this tech. It still feels to me, going by your review 
that we're still in very early days, Tim. I think we're in early days with this particular app, with Envision. And, and overall, yes, I think we're in early days with all of these types of apps. But with Envision, I think there's a few kinks to work out when it comes to scanning some text and scanning barcodes. That being said, though, like I said in the review, the object recognition and facial recognition is pretty good. And you can actually train the app to recognize certain things. If you guys remember the old uh, Look, Tell, Recognizer app where you could actually program it and, and tell it what something was. So take a picture of something, you know, put a label on it and make it remember what it yeah. is. This app Envision does a very similar thing and can label objects. And whenever I would use it around the office or in my living room or kitchen, it would be pretty close. Now, there was a couple of times where I took it and aimed it towards some stuffed animals of my daughter, and it said person sitting in a chair. They were tiny little six foot or not six foot, I'm sorry, six inch uh, stuffed animals. So I don't think they were people sitting in a chair. But <laughs> how do you know? Well, that's true. Maybe they came to life. But but when I, you know, scanned around my computer room and, you know, it got the, the computer monitor and desk and things in the living room, you know, the television, the couch, things like that. So it is recognizing those types of things and cups and, you know, plates and things like that. It, it, it can pick up objects really well. And the training of that is really good. So it does have a lot of good features. I don't want to want to mislead people too much and say that it's just awful altogether. There are some good no. features here, but I think that if you're looking at using it for scanning text or barcodes, it, it still has some room to grow. And I tried not to be too biased because, you know, like you said, Sean, no favoritism with seeing AI. I've been using it for so long. It's so good yeah. and it's free. The free part, yes. you know, that alone could put you off to anything that's going to cost any money at all. And I tried to be fair and think, well, okay, even though this has a cost to it, let's be fair and just compare it for what it does. And so that's that's my question to you, because I, I think out of the, this review, I guess what I'm wondering is, so what am I paying for that I'm not getting with seeing AI? Now, of course, let's be clear here. Envision is available on iPhone. It's available on Android. Seeing AI is only available on iOS, which is the iPhone and the iPad. So there is an argument to say that you might not have as much choice on the on the Android side, perhaps, although there's the new Google Lookout app, which is coming out more, well, that is mainly focused at seeing things rather than, you know, objects, maybe rather than what you're trying to do. So that's maybe one aspect of it. But in terms of product, I mean, if, if and I'm sure they will any day now drop, you know, seeing AI onto Android, when that happens, why would you buy Envision? What's the, what's the pull to it? Well, and I think that's the same conversation we were having last week about the new voice stream scanner as opposed to KNFB Reader. Why would you spend ninety nine ninety nine or sometimes on sale maybe fifty if you're lucky when you could spend ten for voice stream scanner and it does probably as good of a job maybe? The same thing could probably be said here with seeing AI and Envision. Again, Envision could end up working out some of these bugs and be just as good as seeing AI. But then you've got that cost. So yes, it is on Android and seeing AI is not right now. But if and when seeing AI does come to Android, yeah, I, I just don't know. And I get it. They want to put a price tag on this because they do need to recoup some of their costs. Microsoft is basically just writing seeing AI off and just saying, hey, we've got the money to spend, so we don't care if it's free. So a company like Envision that's a startup like this, I get it. They need to make money. And I'm happy to give a company money if it's a great product. I think it just falls short right now of a great product, but it, it, maybe someday it'll be okay. But even then, I think your point is valid, Stephen. Why would you still pay for it? When there are other apps out there that can do the same thing for literal 
or nothing are free. Cheapskates. <laughs> well, here's here's another side <laughs> to this story then. So you we're looking at seeing AI there versus something like Envision, okay? But that's on one device. That's on a phone, whether it be Android or uh, on the iPhone. But if you were to compare all of this tech, all these apps at the moment that are built into smartphones with specialist equivalents, right, how would they fare? Because I think about specialist tech, and I know we've had chats about this over the past couple of years, and three of us have had chats about this for for a long time about this kind of technology, specialist tech versus. And I know you're going to, are you going to chime in, Priest? Calm down. <laughs> Chats is an interesting <laughs> description. I would say arguments, fights. Yeah. Well, I know your view on it, but I am intrigued in this because. So I've decided to go for Kurzweil One Thousand software, which is the scanning software, because I've got a number of books I want to scan. Now I know there are people out there who scan with, say, the OrCam. They scan with apps like VoiceStream Scanner now. Um, even seeing AI, if they want to maybe read a book, you could use it for that. But all of that seems to come with problems, comes with unique issues. Whereas Kurzweil is built for the job. You know, it's the JCB <laughs> of scanning. You know, you know what you're getting with it. You know, you don't buy a JCB to drive you to the shops. You know, you, you use it to, you know, do whatever you do with a JCB. So that's fine. But what I'm thinking is, in this case... Uh, obviously, we're talking a huge difference in price, but should people be thinking about if they want a specific tool for a specific job, should they go down the specialist route, or should we, you know, use the the Swiss Army knife that is the smartphone? I'm not answering that one, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really depends on your use case. For me, the smartphone. Apps like Seeing AI, like Envision, or even KNFB Reader, quite honestly, which uses the Kurzweil technology, for me, it's my use case. And most of the time, I'm needing to use my smartphone to capture just a bit of text to get me some sort of context. So, for instance, in that review, when I couldn't get the barcode to scan with Envision, I did switch to the short text feature, and at least I was able to have the text read out from the bag of donuts to tell me that it was a bag of donuts. Now, I knew it was a bag of donuts, but say if yeah, that hang was on, a- hang on. Yeah, actually, on that point, why were you in my fridge? <laughs> and where are the donuts? And where are the, exactly? Are they being held hostage somewhere? First of all, you keep your donuts in your fridge? Um, hmm, that's not where I found them. But um, anyway. Oh, that, that's concerning. <laughs> you can't have them back. It, it, they're gone. So anyway, um, so if it was a can, though, or or a bottle or something that you really, truly didn't know what it was because it feels the same as everything else, I I would use the short text feature over the product scanning feature just because yeah. you're going to get a bit of text that will get you the context of what it is probably much faster than trying to scan the barcode. Now, sometimes you want to scan the barcode because apps like Envision or Seeing AI can give you additional information. Like you said, you can get nutrition facts. Envision actually does have a, a nice feature where you can get more information and it'll look on look for it on Google. So I, I like to use them for that type of a use case. However, to your point, if I'm wanting to scan full-page documents or multiple documents, yes, Envision can do that. Seeing AI, KNFB Reader, they can all do that. But for me, it, it's just a little bit more laborious and clunky. And something like Kurzweil 1000 for my computer with a scanner that is really meant for scanning documents, not just my camera on my smartphone, that's where I'm going to go and do that with large you know, documents or, or books and things like that. Well, I'm going to say, because I'm not dodging this question at all, Stephen, you know me. Um, 
But I, actually, I, I don't think I, I don't think it applies here. The whole specialized tech versus mainstream tech, because seeing AI, KNFB, Envision, that is specialized software. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, again, it comes back to that professional versus personal use, which, again, is a very different conversation. Uh, and I'm not comparing yeah. seeing AI or KNFB, even KNFB, to something like Kurzweil. The reason I bring it up is, I guess, for, you know, looking at things from my own perspective, and that's what we do, we look at things from our perspectives in life. You know, I'm using a lot more specialist tech these days than I've ever used, and it's because there are certain things I want to get done. And in one particular case, there's a book that I really want to read. It's not in print anymore. And the local library, to me, has got a copy of it. And I will get my grubby little hands on it, although I've told them <laughs> I will wash my hands before I take possession of the book. Um, but That was a lie? It was yep. a lie, yes. But I, uh, I am going to scan this book. So, you know, I, I was thinking, right, do I use something like Voice Stream Scanner or, you know, one of these apps to do it? And then I thought, no, hang on, I need to do this properly because there's images in there. So there's things no, I need to navigate. No, and, and no, it's, no. It's more complicated. No. No. Would you see, this is the problem. Do it properly. What do you mean by do it properly? What makes Kurzweil 1000 so much better than the others? What you're saying is you're going to set up a, a proper flatbed scanner and you're going to do it on the computer. Now, you could use KNFB for Windows and a flatbed scanner to do that. When you say do it properly, you're automatically going back to, well, Kurzweil is the best one. And I don't think that is the case anymore. KNFB Reader uses exactly the same engine. Now, the interface is different. KNFB on Windows uses the terrible Windows yeah, app but, interface. Well, yeah, but the, the issue, I guess, for phones is, and I found this whenever I try to scan a document on a phone, is getting it lined up, and I know that the apps do help with that, but getting it lined up, then trying to access the text in there. So say you're looking for a phone number or you're looking for information, um, it can be quite hard to find. I mean, yes, it can be done, but it's time-consuming. Whereas if it's on a computer, you know, you just arrow to it and you get there. Yeah, but that's like comparing apples and oranges. I use my mobile phone for scanning as... Everyone has said already, if I scan my letters and I use him, I'm using my phone, I'll use the short text just to get a gist of what it's saying. Now, if I want a proper scan to keep for my records and make sure I'm not missing anything, then, of course, a flatbed scanner and some proper OCR software is the way to go. But when you're saying proper, you're saying the Kurzweil 1000 is the specialised blind software, and I just don't think that's the case anymore. But I know I'll use it for letters, I know I'll use it for everything, because... Well, for a start, it's not the cheapest of software, so, you know, I'm going to use it. Well, exactly, and that's my point. Why do you go to Kurzweil 1000 and say, that's the proper software? Is it because it does cost a lot of money, whereas any other OCR software, let's say KNFB for Windows, costs a tenth of the price? I haven't considered that one, to be honest. That's probably why I've not mentioned it, because it's not really been a, been a thought in my mind. Um, now I'm kind of wishing I hadn't, but Kurzweil, yeah, <laughs> no, I think about it. But no, I mean, I, I do like Kurzweil. I used it years ago. I'm, I'm kind of used to it, so I like it. Um, yeah, exactly. And look, I'm not saying that Kurzweil 1000 is bad software. No. Not at all. It's excellent. And there may be a feature in there that's exclusive to that that you need, and that's absolutely fine. It's just my choice. Yeah, it's just my choice. Of course, choice. it's your choice. Exactly. But what I am saying is this idea that, okay, I need to do this properly and seriously, so I need to get some specialized tech that costs a lot of money. 
I think that's uh, it's, it's it's old fashioned. That used to be the case that we had no choice. We only had this specialized software. The mainstream tech wasn't accessible to us, and that's changed. All right, calm down. It's so grumpy yeah. these days, isn't it? Oh, you're annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of slightly annoyed, because I can't get a word in edgewise between the two of you people. Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to try to save Stephen here and use an analogy like Stephen does. So let's see if we can. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, let's see if we can do this. Oh, hang mm-hmm. on. Let me get comfortable. Okay. So, yes, I agree that using something like you know Kurzweil or even KNFB Reader on the computer, I think Stephen's right. For your use case of scanning books or longer pages of documents, things like that. For a use case, that may be better because it is specialized. It's meant to do that job. I don't think a smartphone is intended to do full pages or books, even though they these apps say that they can. I don't think it's really meant for that. And like you even said, Sean, using it for short text is a better use case. So say you're going to go out and cut your lawn. You're going to mow the grass. You could do the entire lawn with a pair of scissors. However, it's better to use your lawnmower. It's done faster, it's more efficient, it's a lot easier than using scissors and literally just getting on your hands and knees and cutting all the grass with scissors. So why would you do that when you've got something more specialized that can get the job done faster and better? Oh, what a beautiful analogy, but now you've annoyed me. I'm not saying that. (laughs) Look, the smartphone uh, solution is very specific. For something like you want to scan an entire book... Okay, even using just a flatbed scanner to do that actually isn't the proper way. I mean, you're going to have to lift it up, turn the page, put it back down, scan it. It's a nightmare. Yes, that is how it works. But it's a lot easier than lining up your camera and making sure the page. Exactly. And... Every single page. Can you imagine the time? Yes. It's I'm, I'm not saying that. You wouldn't use your phone for doing that. What I'm saying is why are you automatically going to Kurt's Vile, I believe it's pronounced, <laughs> Kurt's Vile software? Why are you going to that immediately? Because that's the specialist software that blind people use rather than any other Windows uh, OCR app. I hate to inform you of this, but I am actually a blind guy. I just, I just wanted to put that out there. I don't know if you're aware no. of that. Well, the question is, are those other OCR apps, are they accessible with something like JAWS or MBDA? Are they accessible with the screen reader? Well, we know. KNFB is, and it uses the Kurtz Vile And KNFB Reader point- for Windows is specialist tech. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes, it is. And yet it costs. It uses the same engine, as you pointed out. Yes, it does. Yeah. But. It costs a tenth of the price of Kurzweil 1000. And the whole idea that, okay, I want to be serious about this, so I need to spend this large amount of money because that makes this software, this specialist software, more specialist. No, it doesn't. Those days are gone. Well, I forgive Stephen on that because he just didn't realize okay, okay. the difference. I think. All right, I was wrong. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I guess for people listening to this, I, I think my takeaway would be we need a lot of tools in our toolbox. I think that's the thing for me, is that I'm looking at saying, well, I, I want to scan this book, and I'm thinking, well, I've got this phone here. and oof. You know, so it's trying well, to... Well, you're so balanced, aren't you? Of course, you could get a scan stand, a giraffe stand, and put your phone in that that would line up everything and then do it that way, which may get around some of the problem and cost hardly anything. Well, bang. interestingly, interestingly, one of the things <laughs> I am going to be trying, and this is the point I want to leave because we need to go on a break, but what I will say is... I am keen to try Voice Stream Scanner because, interestingly, since that's come along, and we did discuss this last week, that since that's come along, 
there are questions now about whether even KNFB Reader can stand up against that. Uh, because That's- the capability of the, not so much the OCR, I think we can all agree the OCR is, is good, but I think that it's the, the capability of things like batch scanning, which for books is exactly what you want. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, there are there are means ways and means to do it. I will be reviewing all of this in the coming all weeks, so stick around for wow. that. Yeah, mm. voice stream scanner versus the KNFB reader versus Seeing AI and, of course, versus Kurzweil itself. Vision, we'll find yeah. out in the coming weeks. We'll find out how good they all are stacked up against each other. So uh, that challenge is on me, and I'm looking forward to it, actually. Um, so, listen, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got the news. I'm going to be talking about elections. Oh, don't you just love a good chat about elections? <sighs> That's coming up next. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. Welcome back. This is Double Tap Canada. And uh, listen, we always welcome your feedback. Feedback at ami.ca is our email address. That's feedback at ami.ca. Hi to Ken, who got in touch with us from California. Um, I imagine the weather is better where you are than where I am at the moment. Uh, but uh, he says, uh, an Englishman, a Scotsman and an American on a Canadian show, he said, Surely there's more blind Canadians out there. Um, he was having a laugh, of course. He put ha-ha, he-he-he at the end of his email. That's, I think, how George read it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks, Ken. And uh, hello to you. It's a fair point that has been made before. Yes. Yeah. So I think I, I nominate Sean to be sacked. What do you think? I don't know that I want to nominate anybody because I don't want to get anybody mad at me and I'll be next. But, uh, you know, it sounds like that should end with a really bad joke. You know, a Scotsman, an Englishman, and an American walk into a Canadian bar. I don't know where it goes from there, but I'm not sure I want to know. (laughs) Please email your punchline to that joke to feedback at ami.ca. And we all try to use seeing AI. There's the joke. Um, So, uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you for that, Ken. Thank you for your email. And, of course, anyone who wants to email us for a comment or for a view on anything uh, or, you know, to join the conversation we've been having, then please do. You can get in touch by emailing feedback at ami.ca. Right. I want to talk about uh, my Apple Watch, if you don't mind, for a minute, because um, I'm not happy. I'm really not happy. (laughs) Stephen, not happy. Well, that's a change of pace. Not happy. Okay, let's go with this. What's wrong? Well, I'm glad you asked, Sean, uh, because... So I get the update to um, OS, whatever it was, and um, this is on the watch, by the way. 5.2. Okay, and I get that. And so I updated it and sat all night, you know, putting it in my charger and waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, it updates. And, ah, here we go. Exciting times ahead. Um, and ever since, there's been problems, issues. I don't know what's going on. I have real problems with my AirPods. They need an update, by the way. And I don't mean buying a new pair. That's terrible. Because um, they're just bouncing between devices all over the place. They don't know where they are. Yeah, and that's awful. Um, that is that is a nightmare. I, it's always been a nightmare, but it seems to be worse since the update. Um, Siri just isn't interested anymore. I think she's given up. If I'm perfectly honest, <laughs> I think Siri, I think Siri and um, Lady A uh, should swap places. Frankly, well, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking today I would love the Lady A app to be on the watch. I think it would be oh. amazing, so useful. Yeah, I agree. Well, the the issues I've been having is is of course that I get hang on. Um, hold on a second. I'll tap you when I'm ready. Yes. These are the kind of comments my wife makes. 
too much information. Mm-hmm. But um, I've got to say, I actually agree. With this latest update, I have noticed that my Apple Watch is slower. No, but it gets worse. Oh, no, it can get worse. Go on. It does. It gets worse. There are no notifications coming in. And when I tap the screen, it doesn't read them. Now, I can tap the screen, I can swipe, and all I get is a succession of bings and donks. <laughs> bings and donks. That's all I've been hearing all weekend is Stephen saying, it's not working, it's just binging and donking at me. <laughs> I can't work with that sort of technical detail. Well, that's what it does. It goes, bing, donk, and that's it. That's all I get. Now, I've realised, after spending a bit of time on it today, that what's actually happening is... The, the the whatever is on the screen because I have my screen turned off so I have no idea what's what's actually on there, but the text seems to be about halfway down the screen so there must be maybe an image above it or something, um and it is there but you've really got to sort of narrowly or not narrowly but carefully move your finger over the screen to get the text to read, um and it's like a news yes um, it's a news flash you know some sort of news thing and I'm thinking well I'm taking that app off the off the phone because that's just insane that I keep getting these updates and they're just terror. I can't read them. Stop right there. So it's not a Apple OS problem. It's a a app that's misbehaving. So it's either the, the, the whatever news app you're using has suddenly become inaccessible. Now, you've got to take that all back because that isn't an Apple OS problem. I'm not taking but anything back. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. I, I know you would. <laughs> I, I do think mm. it is slightly slower. I've noticed that that when I unlock the phone, um, the the watch screen will still be there, the watch face, and it's reading the um, numpad for the unlock code. Um, and switching between various apps is slower. There is a little bit of lag there. Now, hopefully that will be uh, sorted out in the next update. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get a, the next Series 5 Apple Watch. Ooh. Maybe that's the deal. Yeah. Well, that's why I've noticed that. One, I'll tell you another just quick issue, which if you have had this, it's just a simple restart is all you have to do. Um, I've had an issue where my voice would not lower. Now, Tim told me how to lower the voice on or lower the volume on the uh, Apple Watch. It was a, a trick I never knew, which was two fingers, double tap and hold, and you'll get a kind of dink. Not a donk, but a dink. Um, very important distinctions <laughs> yes. here. Um so you get your dink, and then once you've got your dink, you pull down with two fingers, and it kind of lowers the volume. Um, so follow that, folks. Um, <laughs> or push up to to increase the volume. Uh, increase yeah. the volume. Yeah, yeah, that, that is also an option. Thank you. Um, yeah, so you can do both ways on your, your that. But you have to get the dink, and then once you get the dink, down, up, whatever. And it's all good. That wasn't working. And the only way to solve that was a restart. So, um, yeah, a bit odd to be honest. Um, I don't know if there's a fix coming for a lot of this, but um, hopefully. So if you've had issues, let us know. I will say also just briefly, and Tim will let you in, but I just want to say the AirPods are worse since the update. And I don't know why, unless Apple are doing their classic trick of, oh, aren't they terrible? Yes, you should really buy the new ones. They're much oh, better. Fake news. You know, that's not true. That's not what they do. Maybe a bit. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> It's just coincidence that they suddenly get worse when a new mm, product comes yeah. out. Anyway, sorry, Tim, you were you were about to say several times. Yes, I was. Wow, um, this is a toughie this week. Oh, so oh, dear, well, I'm not to let him <laughs> in again. Right, okay, I would say that about ninety percent of what you guys are saying is all fake news because I updated what? the five point two, and the only issue I have is sometimes when the stand alert or the breathe alert comes up, or even activity 
the activity alert comes up, it will not speak the first time I put my finger on the screen. I tap it a second time and then it starts to speak and I can swipe around and get it to talk. So those alerts are, are seeming to not want to speak the first time. But after that, they're fine. Everything else, I have had no lag. I can turn the volume up and down. The speech has been fine. So I don't know if it's a UK problem. I, I don't know. <gasps> Oh, if, it's a, if it is something with an app. Well, Do you think we'll go through it off with Brexit? Yeah, really. Well, I mean, like Sean said, though, it could be an app that's misbehaving with the iOS and maybe it just needs to be uninstalled. But whatever it is, it's something that I'm not experiencing as much as you guys are, thankfully. Um, but like I said, when some of the alerts come up, I do have to tap it a couple times. It's funny you say that, Tim, because uh, you, you forget that we share our activity between the three of us. And uh, either you don't wear your watch very often or for 23 hours a day you don't move so um yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure about the fake or news. or somebody that i know lies to wow. his apple watch and says that he did uh boxing for uh for <laughs> half an hour i did that was boxing honestly boxing mm-hmm. my watch said sean was boxing mm-hmm. it's great you could type in anything it's fantastic <laughs> Yeah, you can just tell it anything. That's right. Well, if you've had an experience like that, you can tell us about it. Uh, I, I would be intrigued to know how you're getting on with your devices. Um, yeah, we'll see how we get on. I want to just quickly mention Orcam because this was interesting. This came out of Israel. Now, I'll be completely honest, and I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say this, guys. I'm not really up on my Israeli politics. Maybe I should be. You should be ashamed I, I, of yourself. I know, I feel disgusted, frankly. But, you know, if you've spent any time in the UK or even just watching a UK news channel in the last few months, you'll maybe understand why it's been quite difficult to get news from anywhere else because, quite frankly, all we talk about is Brexit and the fact that it hasn't happened yet and, frankly, never will. So that's why uh, I was quite intrigued by what was going on in Israel, so I watched a little bit of the election coverage and thought it was all very interesting. But actually... That wasn't really the big story that interested me. Uh, The big story was that there were people who were uh, attending the election who were going to vote using Orcam. This is something I believe that was actually supplied at the polling stations they could use so that you could go and vote independently. And I'm thinking to myself, hang on a minute. We're not doing this in the UK. We're not doing this in the US or Canada. Come on, guys. So, you know, in Israel, well ahead of the game here, uh, you know, providing equipment, specialist equipment, sorry, Sean, uh, but specialist equipment <laughs> that allows people to vote independently. I think that's good news. Well, yeah, of course it's good news. Yes, it is really good news, especially because of how much Orcam costs. If this is something that the government has actually purchased to have provided at their polling stations, that to me by itself is just really amazing because here in the United States, we're lucky to get a machine that either talks to us or maybe something in Braille or something that just lines up with something that you just hope that you're voting for the right person. Sometimes they even give you the stink eye if you want to have a sighted person go and vote with you. You know, I've had that happen a couple of times. Like, well, my wife's going to help me. Well, but um, she's going to see your, 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 who you're voting for. Well, yeah, but she's my wife and I want her to help me. You know, well, we have a machine. Well, I don't care. I've used your machine. I'm not interested. Thank you. You know, I've Oof. had this conversation a few Angry times. Um, it, well, the machine's just, you can do it, but it, it's just not the best. So having something like Orcam. You've got Trump as a president, Tim. I understand your frustrations. <sighs> I know. My, I, Stop don't, it, Nick. Don't, don't get me well, started. Look, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I never am. <laughs> I think Orcam is an Israeli company. So uh, I think that may have to, something to do with the, the availability yeah. 
Uh, and, and don't get us wrong, it's not across every polling station. There is a select mm. few. Um, but they were available. Some of these units were available. And, um, yeah, I've got to say, look, this is a, a perfect... Um, well, not perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it is a, a good resource for um, for us to vote. And the voting definitely needs some work done it when it comes to accessibility. We're, we're just so far behind when it comes to voting and it is so important. So any any move like this. Um, yeah, I think it's a good thing. And the importance of it being ORCAM is because that is independent and that's private. The device itself is going to get the text and give it to you properly. You could, you know, maybe in the United States or Canada, use something like IRA, but maybe you don't want the IRA agent to know who you're voting for. Now, not like they're going to tell anybody. If you're comfortable sharing that, you could, I guess. But you, if you want to make it completely private, ORCAM is a great way to do that. Well, in the UK, the way it works is really simple. What you do is you go to your polling station, they give you a piece of paper and say, good luck. Uh, and if, you're, if you ask them uh, for the uh, alternative version, they give you a larger piece of paper, which is essentially the same thing, just enlarged. Uh, or if they think you're, like, properly disabled, they'll give you Braille, uh, which is lovely. So I'm currently learning Braille as fast as I can so that I can vote in the next election, which I think, you know, by time of recording, might be in two weeks. I, I don't know. You never know with this country. No, it's, it's a really good news story. Really, really pleased to see that. So um, let's now turn our attentions to um, some of the kind of simpler ideas. As I said, you know, when you think simple, think Sean. Uh, and that is how we're going to badge this segment up. Poor um, Sean. I'm not sure uh, I like this. It's like the Tim's <laughs> Bit feature. This is now coming to be uh, Simple Sean's feature. Simple Sean. Simple Sean. I think a jingle could easily be made out of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this is good, actually, because what it's doing is it's going back to basics. And, you know, it's, it's great having all this news about technology and all the stuff that's happening, but sometimes you've got to get back to basics. And you're doing this through uh, in this week's segment, which is all about magnification and Braille. Okay, so let's continue with our answer to this question. How do you shave? No, 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 not that question. That's still ridiculous and we're not answering it. I mean this question. How do you use a computer? You're blind. So previously I gave a quick overview on screen readers and keyboard shortcuts. But today I want to talk about magnifiers and Braille displays. So let's start with magnifiers. Zoom, just one look, and then my heart went boom. Suddenly, just like screen readers, I think the name says it all. With magnification software, you can magnify the screen. So if you do have low vision, you can make text or whatever is on the screen much bigger and easier to see. When I was talking about screen readers, I did say that I thought they were probably the most used form of assistive technology. I'm going to stand by that, but I think that actually magnifiers are the first form of assistive technology that people will try. For example, when my vision started to get worse, I would just turn on the built-in Windows magnifier to zoom in the screen maybe one and a half or two times so I could read text easier or follow the mouse pointer. And for a while, that was enough. It was great, and it really did help. But then, as my vision got even worse, I would have to zoom in even more, to an extent where there may be only one word that could fit on my screen. And it was at that point I thought, this is actually slowing me down, so it was time to switch to a screen reader. But the magnification did see me through for quite a long time. 
So when it comes to using a computer or a smartphone, obviously when I say magnification, I'm talking about software. So where can you find magnification software? Again, just like screen readers, most operating systems have some form of magnification built in. It's free. Yeah! <laughs> I know my favorite price. So let's take a look at Windows. To turn on Windows Magnifier, as it's called, just hit the Windows key and the Plus key. Every time you hit the Windows and the Plus key, the magnification level will increase, or as some people put it, you will zoom into the screen. So keep zooming in until you find a level that suits your vision. To zoom out or have less magnification, hit the Windows and the Minus key. You can also choose how the screen is magnified. So you can have full screen, where obviously the whole screen is magnified, or you can have lens, which causes the area around your mouse pointer to be magnified. The effect is like holding a physical magnifying glass over your mouse pointer. Wherever you move the mouse, that area of the screen will be magnified. Also, there is dot. This means that the screen remains at normal zoom level. But there's an area at the top or at the bottom which is magnified. Full screen is usually the best option, but try each one out and see which one works best for you. Another great feature is the option to invert colors. This means that when you open a window or open a web browser, you won't have your retinas burnt out by a big screen of dazzling bright white light. Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it, no matter what happens. Instead, the colors are inverted, so the background will be black and any text on top will be white. I've got to say, even today, with my incredibly limited vision that I have got, I still use the invert colors feature. If there's something on the screen that isn't accessible, and I do have the luxury to use the magnifier and zoom in and see what it is, the invert color feature just makes it so much easier to see. You know, high contrast, obviously, but also makes the screen just more comfortable to use. And all these features should be available on whatever magnifier you do use, be that on a iPhone or an Android phone or Mac, wherever. You will find different ways to magnify the screen and the different invert color features on every one. Now we've gone through how to turn on magnification in Windows, so let's quickly go through the other platforms. In macOS, you would use the VO keys, which is Command Option, and the number eight that will toggle magnification on or off. And then using the VO keys and Plus. Just like in Windows, to zoom in and minus to zoom out. Now, if this doesn't work, you will need to go into your system preferences, into accessibility, and make sure the keyboard shortcut option is ticked. If you're using a Pixel Book or have Chrome OS, pressing Control, Search, and the letter M for magnify will magnify the full screen. To magnify just part of the screen, specifically the top third. You can hit Control Shift and the letter D. You can also zoom in using Control Alt and the Brightness Up button, or zoom out using Control Alt Brightness Down button. When it comes to iOS devices such as the iPhone or the iPad, go to Settings, General, Accessibility, and turn on Zoom. With the feature turned on, you can quickly enable and disable zoom by double tapping with three fingers to zoom in. Double tap and hold with three fingers and slide up. To zoom out, double tap and hold and slide down. 
To move the screen around, simply drag with three fingers. If you're an Android fan, then don't worry, there's magnification in there as well. Again, it's much like the iOS feature, you'll need to go to Settings, Accessibility, and turn on Magnification. Once that's done, you can triple tap with one finger on the screen to enable it. To zoom in or out, you use the pinch gesture, which is just simply moving two fingers closer together or further apart. To move or pan around the screen, drag with two fingers. Now, again, this is just an introduction, an overview of what magnifiers are and what they can do. Obviously, there's a little bit more to it than that, and there's more features to drill into. But don't worry, of course, I will cover those in later episodes. Okay, I'm running really short of time. I've gone on too long, but let's quickly look at Braille displays. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Ha! Wrong, Muckhammer. You're wrong, because that's exactly what we're doing. It's Braille. A Braille display is an actual physical hardware device that connects to another device, be that a computer or a smartphone. And just like a screen reader announces through a computer voice what item you're interacting with currently on the screen, a Braille display will give you this information through, well, Braille. Braille displays have various amounts of what's called Braille cells. C-E-L-L-S. And in each one of these cells are a number of pins, usually eight, that rise and fall to make Braille characters. Obviously, the more Braille cells your display has, the more information it can display at once. But the more Braille cells you have, the bigger the physical device, and also the more expensive. And when I say expensive, I mean expensive. Traditionally, Braille displays have cost thousands of dollars. Recently, however, that has changed. We have seen the release of the Orbit 20 reader and also the Braille Me, and there's others on the horizon which are coming in at a more affordable price of hundreds of dollars. Most Braille displays also come with Braille keyboards, meaning you can enter text into the computer and navigate around, just like using a standard QWERTY keyboard or a Bluetooth keyboard. Now, it does seem like I'm not giving Braille displays the same amount of time as I give magnifiers and screen readers. And that's true. That's partly because I'm running out of time, but also because I don't personally have a lot of experience of using them. Despite the stereotype, not every blind person knows Braille, and I'm one that sadly doesn't know Braille and doesn't use it. But I don't want to underplay the importance of Braille displays. If you're proficient with Braille, you can be incredibly productive using a Braille display, even more so than using a screen reader. Braille displays come in many forms and shapes and sizes. You can even get Braille displays that are standalone. They can also connect to computers and smartphones, but you can also use them as almost like a mini note taker. Again, later on in this series, I will go into more detail about Braille displays. Well, I say I, I mean someone else will, someone with more experience and more knowledge. But I think it is important that people know they are out there and they are another option. So, there you go. I hope that did answer that old question of how do we use a computer or a smartphone when we can't see the screen. The answer is, it's actually not that difficult. And thanks to mainstream devices becoming more accessible, it doesn't have to cost the earth. Well, there you go. Another segment from Simple Sean. Um, thank you for that, Simple Sean. I like that. I don't name. like that. That's your new I name. Don't, I don't like that name. I'm putting a complaint in right now. So welcome to the club. He dubbed <laughs> mine Tim's bits. You're Simple Sean. Yeah, I feel your pain. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next week, we're going to think about what our mafia names will be, because I have got some great <laughs> ideas. On I think Sean one. and I need to come up with what yours is going to be, Stephen. Oh, no, come on. I know what mine is already. Do I know what it is? Go on. Yes. Stevie Sunglasses. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wear sunglasses all the time, obviously. Mine's Milky Dead Eyes. Yep, there you go. <laughs> wow. It's just you, Tim. I have no idea. I'm not even... Oh, well, don't you worry. I'll be working oh, on that no. all week. Now you know why I don't do any features. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> I come up with the names. I come up with... I'm, I'm like the brain behind this thing. Um, names and analogies, that's all you. Feedback at ami.ca. Join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget that you can always check out our podcasts on ami.ca and uh, lots more there as well about all the shows here on AMI-audio. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you again next time. Sean and Tim, goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.